It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, Conor Geraghty, Veterinary Ireland Medicines Working Group, on AMR, reaction to the government's new food supply chain fair trading bill, Dr. Doreen Corridon, Munster Bovine, amongst the speakers to address the West Cork IFA Dairy Conference in Connacilty on Monday, December 5th, 8pm. The ICMSA AGM taking place at Castle Troy Park Hotel on Monday, 5th of December, starting early, 12.30pm, due to finish just before 7pm. Ploughing results with Philip Culler, Cork East, and Ronnie Hurley has details regarding the Chagask National Dairy Conference. On 29th of November 2022, the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnellug, announced the Cabinet had approved the Agricultural and Food Supply Chain Bill 2022 for presentation to Doyle Aaron. This, he said, would commence the legislative process for adoption of the bill. Minister McConnellug said this bill, when enacted, would establish a new independent statutory authority which would be known as Unrealtus Agravia, the Agri-Food Regulator. Minister McCarlough said he was delighted to have received government approval on the 29th for the Agricultural and Food Supply Chain Bill. This, he said, fulfilled a programme for government commitment to ensure fairness, equity and transparency in the food chain by establishing this new authority. He thanked his colleagues and the government for their support for the bill. He reassured farmers the Agri-Food Regulator would be in office with real teeth and be a strong advocate for farmers, fishers and all food producers. The IFA National Poultry Chairman, Mr Nigel Sweetnam, has acknowledged the progress that Minister of Agriculture, Mr McConnell has made to date on retail regulation, but said the new regulator must address the real problem. He said farmers shouldn't have to blockade or protest to get a fair price for their products. He said the use of poultry and other food as lost leaders had already put many farmers out of business. Mr Sweetnam said the IFA could not and would not stand by and let this continue. Mr Sweetnam warned this practice has created the expectation from the consumer that the core items in their shopping basket should come at a very cheap and unsustainable price. Farmers are price takers and he said they are calling on the Minister to show true leadership on this bill. West Cork IFA Dairy Conference, hosted by Clonakilty IFA, takes place on Monday, 5th of December at 8pm. Venue will be Fernhill House Hotel, Clonakilty. Guest speakers, 
Dr. Doreen Corridan, Munster Bovine, Mr. John Fitzgerald, Bank of Ireland, Dr. Ryan Law on Wagyu Beef Programme, Mr. T.J. Marr, IFA Animal Health Committee Chairman, and Mr. Mark Hallisey, a calf exporter. Also in attendance, Mr. Sean Dennehy, Cork Marts, and Mr. John Hallisey, Chairman of Irish Livestock Exporters Association. And that's West Cork IFA Dairy Conference, hosted by Clonacilty IFA, Monday, 5th of December, 8pm, venue Fernhill House Hotel, Clonacilty. Theme of the conference will be Challenges and Solutions Facing the Calf Trade. ICSA Organics Chair Fergal Byrne has reminded farmers currently in the organic scheme to reapply for the scheme as their contracts would not automatically roll over into next year. Existing organic scheme participants will have had their contracts roll over for the last two years, but that will not happen again. All organic contracts will come to an end on December 31st of this year, 2022. The ICMSA AGM is being held on Monday 5th of December at the Castle Troy Park Hotel, Limerick, starting 12.30pm and scheduled to draw to a close at 7pm on Monday 5th of December. Speakers will include ICMSA National President Mr Pat McCormack, Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine Charlie McConnell, TD, and the Assistant Garda Commissioner Paula Hillman. Sinn Féin President, Ms Mary Lou MacDonald, will also address the meeting. Mr Seamus Green of Ornua and Mr Joe Butler of Bordbia, together with Mr Liam Wolfe of Grassland Agro, will also address the ICMSA AGM. A large contingent of Cork ICMSA members are expected to attend. That's the ICMSA AGM, Castle Troy, Park Hotel, Limerick, 12.30pm, Monday 5th of December, and an early finish scheduled for about 7pm. The following is a statement by Mr Dermot Kelleher, Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, National President, based in Corkwest, in response to the publication of the final report of the Food Vision Beef Group. The ICSA reserves its position on the entire report due to what it calls the lack of concrete commitments and around funding for the measures. Mr Kelleher says... The ICSA is not supportive of measures, which he said, would lead to reduced output in the absence of a coherent plan to support a viable suckler beef and sheep system. He said the ICSA would only engage further if there is a commitment from the relevant ministers whom he names, agriculture, climate and public expenditure, to sit down with the Beef Vision Group and negotiate a way forward. Mr Kelleher further contends the report provides no reassurances that the government wishes to see the suckler sheep and beef sectors prosper or even stabilise. This, he said, was unacceptable from a political perspective and unwise from a strategic planning perspective. Mr Kelleher said the final report of the Food Vision Beef Group represented a set of ideas put forward exclusively by the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, and therefore, he said, it was essentially an internal document to which stakeholders had been given an opportunity to comment, but not to negotiate. He said, it's evidence this report and the wider climate action plan is meaningless without a financial framework. Part of a long statement there from Mr Dermot Kelleher, Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, National President, based in West Cork. Reaction to publication of the final report of the Food Vision 
Beef Group, the ICSA, reserving its position on the entire port. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Miss Gronia Hurley, B&T Dairy Advisor, Chagask Advisory Services, Codra McCroom in the West of the County. First of all, Gronia, welcome to the programme. Now, before we talk about the signposts programme, are there any upcoming events you'd like to highlight for our listeners? Yes, John, uh, the Tagus National Dairy Conference 2022 is taking place on Tuesday, the 6th of December in the Rotestown Park Hotel, or further up the country, it's taking place in the Mullingar Park Hotel on Thursday, the 8th of December, but Lokotoma on Tuesday in Rotestown Park Hotel. Um, the main topics will surround, will vary from global to technical. Industry experts will update on the change they're seeing in demand for dairy products, and there'll also be uh, researchers and farmers will focus on key strategies, look at increased production with less fertiliser nitrogen. There's also topics surrounding better breeding of calves and, and the dairy herd as well. So again, to book in set, you can uh, log into the Tagus uh, website and book into the National Dairy Conference, which is on Tuesday. Just another um, announcement, John, um, just in the Cork East region, uh, Tagus is uh, recruiting temporary derogation support advisors uh, shortly, which will be placing the offices in Middleton, Mallow, Fermoy and Turk. Uh, these contracts will uh, run until the end of May initially. Uh, if anyone out there is interested, you can contact recruit at tagus.ie um, for the vacancies in, in that derogation support. Those are the upcoming events then, Gronia. That's right, John. Looking at the signpost programme, could you explain what actually is the signpost programme and its objectives? This programme itself was launched uh, in 2021 and hopefully it's a programme that more of your listeners will hear of in the next number of years. The signpost programme is a tag-led programme uh, with the whole industry partners, 62 industry partners uh, collaborating with TAGUS. The focus of the programme is to support farmers in reducing their greenhouse gas emissions, which we know there is a target reduction of 25% by 2030, improving water quality, which we've seen a deterioration of, um, but also enhanced by diversity in Irish farms. But also very importantly as well is that to maintain or increase uh, economics on our, on our profit on our family-owned farms. There's 120 signpost farms across the region, I'm working with the Dairy Gold Tagus signpost farmers, of which there are 10 dairy farmers. Uh, in, we have two in Tipperary, we have one farmer in Limerick, and we have seven farmer, farmers across the Cork County. The signpost programme, I suppose, is kind of split into three main areas. First, we have the signpost farmers that we work very closely with, and these farmers are adopting tools in their farms to showcase how they can reduce emissions. Tagus has just launched only on Thursday. Um, the new signpost advisory campaign. So this programme as such will be that we will have more advisors, signpost advisors on the ground to work with farmers across all enterprises to sh- show that farmers know their number, as in their carbon, what carbon they're producing on their farm, so know what their total emissions on their farm. Um, and then to work with these farmers then to identify, I suppose, tools that they can use on their farm to reduce emissions on their farm. So, again, it, it's a very much uh, a collaborative report, or collaborative uh, work with, with the industry, um, but it's a very holistic as well approach taking sustainability because, again, it includes the economics, environmental, but also social sustainability. So it's quite a big program done, and uh, look, I can hopefully to hear more about this over the next number of years as well. The great work the signpost programme farmers are doing. Thank you very much indeed. Miss Gronio Hurley, PhD, B&T, Dairy Advisor, Chagask Advisory Services, 
Kodra McCroom in the best of the county. Gronia, thank you very much indeed for your valuable time. Thanks a million, Gronia. Thanks, son. Some Cork East ploughing results. Mr Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Philip, welcome to the programme. Ploughing news for our Cork East listeners and all fans of ploughing. That's right, John. Thank you very much. Yes, we're a small bit reluctant in going on the last Sunday because of the weather Sunday morning, but eventually tried off. We decided to go ahead and we made a good choice because the day turned out nice and fine and we had a superb size. So everything worked out nicely for us. And these are the results from Trooper House on last Sunday. The scene are open. First, Michael Hayes. Second, Michael Linehan. And third, Michael Hannon. The novice, Billy O'Connell. The three for a match, Jim Barris. The two for a senior reversible, Teddy Harrington. Two for a vintage trailer, Amos Horton. And the two for a classic, Damien Hearn. The two for a vintage mounted, first, Ray Clancy. Second, Phelan Crosser. And third, Henry McGrath. Those are the results from Troopers House, um, as you, you can appreciate, John. We had three cancellations, so our numbers were um, down. But that happens after cancellations and with the weather a bit unpredictable. People aren't inclined to travel long distances either. So we had a good day, and a superb size, and we're very grateful to uh, our landowner, Coleman Cronin, because he's very supportive of us every year, land. So we, we thank Coleman and uh, his generosity every year. So that's it from Trooper House on the 27th, John. Um, now, next on the 4th of December, Bantir are going ahead. And actually, they're going on the same farm, the same field, actually, on Coleman's, Cronin's land again by his kind permission. So we, we are very happy with the ground, and they'd be very happy with the ground. All we need is to have a dry overhead. So that's 11 o'clock next tomorrow, the um, 4th of December, right here at the lens of Coleman, Cronin, Valley Bay. You have a phone number there which would be of use to some people if they want to check the venue for the ploughing time it starts, etc. Joe Tomey, 087 I'll give you that again. 087-926-0852. And if anybody are interested in competing on uh, tomorrow, Sunday the 4th, if they could contact Joe before 5pm today, Saturday, um, and we'll, we'll get him included. Mr. Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Thank you, Philip, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Next, the Carberry Mockwana Firma Fortnightly Report with Laura Woods. Welcome, Laura. Hello, and I am bringing you the Carberry Mockery News. Congratulations to Ballinadee men's soccer team who represented the Carberry region in the national final of the men's five-a-side soccer competition in Dublin recently. We wish Barry Row Mockery the best of luck for their truck and tractor run in aid of Clannacilty Community Hospital and Marymount Hospice. Beira Mockery will also hold a truck and tractor run on Sunday, December 18th in Castletown Bear at 3.30pm. More details to follow. The Carberry Regional Christmas Party will take place in the Kilbritton Inn at 8.30pm on Saturday the 10th of December. All current, past and prospective Mockra members are more than welcome to attend. 
On the 14th of December, at a regional meeting, a collection will be made of non-perishable foods that will be donated to the St. Vincent de Paul to support their work over the Christmas period. Banladee Mokra will hold an open mic night in Mary's Bar Banladee on Friday the 16th of December, starting at 9pm and everyone is welcome. So as you can see, Carberry Mokra has something for everyone and they are a club stretching from Inishannon to Beira, so there's bound to be one near you. So if you are aged between 17 and 35 and would like to join or want more information, contact us through our Carberry Mokra social media pages on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. Thank you. And thank you, Laura. Miss Laura Woods, the Carberry Region Mockwana Firma Radio Officer, with her fortnightly report. Thank you, Laura. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Mr Stephen Robb, Renewables Editor with the Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Stephen, welcome to the programme. Could you tell our listeners what exactly the letters AD stand for and what you would like to see done to promote ADs in Ireland? Yeah, thanks very much, John. Uh, good to be here. AD stands for Anaerobic Digestion, and it's been getting quite a bit of uh, media attention over the past few months, and, and for good reason. For anyone who's not familiar, anaerobic digestion, it basically just describes the, the controlled breakdown of organic materials, organic substances, organic wastes, by billions upon billions of bacteria uh, in anaerobic, so, so airless or oxygenless conditions. Uh, and what happens is that once the bugs begin to break down the material, they release biogas. And biogas is about 55% uh, methane content and about 40% CO2. Uh, and the rest is, is a few other gases. So this whole system is completely natural, um, but it can be controlled and controlled in uh, large, generally concrete tanks. Um, and that is an anaerobic digestion plant. And anaerobic digestion plants, or AD, they're, they're quite common all across Europe, um, even in, in England, Scotland, and of course in Northern Ireland, there's about 90 of these plants um, in operation. Uh, but here in Ireland, there's, there's, there's very little, there's very few, there's about 10, less than 10 actually agricultural plants in operation. Um, but that's all about to change, and we really think that's about to change, John. And accompanying your article in this week's Irish Farmers Journal, Saturday, 3rd of December, 2022, there's a rather good photograph there showing part of the large crowd who attended the Gas Networks Ireland Biomethane Conference. Would you say a few words about that and, in fact, uh, explain that that, in fact, is an indication of the great support, not just in Northern Ireland, but in Denmark and other countries? Yeah, absolutely. So Gas Networks Ireland held an event uh, during the week there, which I attended. Um, I suppose I should say, first of all, that the reason, John, why I think um, AD has, has a big future here in Ireland is because well, the government set some massive targets. Basically, uh, during the summer, the government set a target for well over 200 AD plants to be built and to be operational uh, by 2030. So that's why we know that the government is behind us from a target's point of view, and they want this to happen. Um, and the event that I was at during the week, I would say that the, the majority of the, the people that were that are going to make this happen were, were in attendance, and it was a packed room, like you said. Some developers, uh, some farmers, some, some or both, um, many people from the industry, everyone just really eager to get going, really eager to start building these plants. But I suppose the, the, the real take-home message that I got from the day was that None of this is going to happen, and it's just physically not able to happen without government support. So despite the government having a very ambitious target for AD to be uh, in place by 2030, there's actually no 
follow through. There's no support scheme in place. Uh, and that means that Ireland's an outlier compared to other places in Europe, such as Denmark. 34% of Denmark's gas demand is being met by biomethane produced from these AD and aerobic digester plants. And I think you would like to see the government, our own government here, bring in a plan, a support plan, with, say, like the 15-year support scheme currently in place for wind and solar farms. Yeah, absolutely. Look, wind and solar farms really after taking off um, in Ireland over the past few years. That didn't happen for no reason. That happened because there's a really good support scheme in place to to help developers build what they need to build. Um, there's, as I said, there's nothing in place, so there isn't um, for for AD at the moment. Um, and and I think the consensus in the room was that that it needs to happen in order to to meet our targets. What I should say is, um, yeah, you're 100 percent right. Um, 35 percent of of Denmark's uh, gas demand is met by biomethane produced from these anaerobic digestion plants. And they're very confident that they're going to get to 100 percent of their gas demand being met by anaerobic digestion plants by 2030. And the big thing about this is that the vast majority of anaerobic digestion plants in Denmark are supplied and developed by farmers. So the AD industry is is a massive new opportunity for farmers, for all of your listeners, to either develop a plant or supply a plant or just be involved with a plant. The apparent lack of uh, government interest. You're saying there was a good crowd at the Gas Networks Ireland Biomethane Conference, but in fact uh, a lack of government representatives... Yeah, look, it was, it was very notable um, from from the audience, and that was it wasn't just my observation. That's what everyone was was saying to me and telling me when I was at the event. Um, at the end of the day, it's, it's the government who has set these targets. It's the government who has set the emission reduction targets for agriculture. Basically, it's, it's the department and department officials who needed to be there in the room, listening to the challenges, listening to what the industry needs to develop, listening to the opportunities, listening to how Denmark done it and many other countries have done it um, so that they can literally just copy them and do what they've done. Um, but that wasn't the case. So it wasn't, John. There was very few department representatives in, in the room, probably the lowest I've seen, to be honest, out of any um, conference in the past couple of months uh, in relation to renewables, which is very disappointing. In your Irish Farmers Journal article of Saturday, 3rd of December, 2022, you point out there was a very good discussion, a very good panel discussion between the main suppliers of natural gas in our country. Quite a few of the big names, they are actively involved. Yeah, really, really interesting discussion, as as you say. So, look, biomethane is gas uh, and you need uh, energy shippers to to move the gas, to sell the gas, etc., um, and and they were in attendance at the conference. So we had SSE Electricity, we had Borgash en- Energy, we had Energia, and of course Flow Gas, Flow Gas Enterprise, um, all on the stage having a chat about where they see the industry going. Funny enough, John, all of these uh, energy suppliers are actually going to be subject to. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry. And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A new obligation, similar to the biofuels obligation scheme, um, but it's specifically for fuel supplied to the heat sector, so that the majority of that is gas. And they're going to, from 2024, they're going to have to start sourcing renewable biomethane um, or else uh, or else, or else, be assigned. Um, but I think the big take-home from the panel discussion was that they won't be able to do that. They certainly won't be able to offer developers and farmers long-term you know, fixed-price 15-year contracts, which is what they need to develop AD plants. They're just simply not, enable, uh, not in a position to do that without some kind of government support scheme in place which I thought was a really poignant message. And these anaerobic digesters, the AD plants, where the power is sourced from the raw material, which would be doing a good job by keeping the countryside clean and by keeping rivers uh, clean if um, waste material, waste vegetation is going into these AD plants for the generation of gas and power and energy for people's homes and factories and uh, milking parlours. Absolutely, and, and and this is what this is the real reason why AD is such an opportunity for farmers because farmers are going to be central to it. The AD industry cannot develop without farmers because AD plants need um, slurry, they need grass silage, they need you know, whole crop, they need a, a range of other you know manures or maybe straw or or anything that that, that organic that a farmer produces um, in order to actually uh, feed the plants and produce the gas. So the AD industry really will target a, a kind of a, a waste or byproduct first policy. So in other words, that's slurry. So you try and capture as much of the slurry from farms and put it through an AD plant. That will capture all of the fugitive emissions. So that kind of solves a problem from an agricultural emissions point of view. Um, and then they would maybe supplement that with some maybe surplus grass silage um, or maybe some you know whole crop hybrid rye or, or something along those lines just to to, to add a bit of um, diversity into the into the tank and, and increase gas yields, but I think that the real message is that um, it's it's the eighties industry can't happen without farmers. So farmers are going to be they're going to have quite a lot of control and power in this whole thing, um, which is why it's such an opportunity, you know, for farmers to possibly maybe get together and develop a plant together, or get together and develop some kind of a feedstock cooperative to supply AD plants. Um, it really is an opportunity, and of course you. You mentioned the emissions end of things. Well, well, yep. Um, the the obviously the gas that's produced is is renewable. Um, it's subject to sustainability criteria. So, um, depending on the feedstock that's supplied, it can be carbon neutral or, at very least, significantly reduced emissions compared to natural gas. But also, you know, as I alluded to earlier, if you're capturing slurry or if you're capturing farmyard manure, 
um, and putting a 3 and AD plant while you're extracting all the, the mesian and oil. Um, and what you get out the other end of it is digestive, which is a which is a really clean, pure, um, energy rich uh, bio fertilizer, pretty much, which you can then target to the areas by maybe the suppliers or the farmland in the area that needs it. So you know it, it puts a lot more control back into the hands of the farmers in terms of nutrient management as well. Speaking to Mr. Stephen Robb, Renewables Editor with the Irish Farmers Journal. Stephen, to conclude then, I would presume that you're liaising closely with the government, with the various departments who might be most uh, able to support a similar plan to the solar farms and wind farms and get a guaranteed kind of price. So presumably you'll be liaising ever more closely with the government people, people who are in a position to carry out a constructive programme because with this golden opportunity you may have the tragic situation where energy generated here would be exported to other EU countries where the price is better or more guaranteed uh, customers. Well, you're, you're 100% right about that because once the, the biomethane is in the gas grid, we are connected to Europe and further afield. So technically the gas can be exported to, to anywhere within Europe um, for, to whoever wants to buy it. Uh, and those those long term, you know, you know, ten to fifteen year support schemes that I talk about that aren't in place here, they are in place in other countries, and and farmers will be able to to lock into those other countries, which we really want to see because it literally exports all of the decarbonisation benefits that biomethan brings, but it's a real real risk. Um, so like the the AD industry and everyone who's in that room would be continuously liaising with, with, um, with the department and trying their best to, you know, to steer the department. Um, but I think the fact that there, there was virtually no department representatives in the room that day, it kind of tells you a lot, John, about what they're thinking about the industry at the moment. And as you've said, Stephen, in Northern Ireland, uh, you know, on the same island, there's quite a large implementation of an AD support plan. So it might be no harm if uh, our colleagues in the north, if there was a liaison between the people in the Republic and people in the north who support the concept of AD. And in that way, we might uh, learn from any, if they did make any mistakes, we might learn, you know, without having to learn in the school of hard knocks, we could learn from colleagues in Northern Ireland. Absolutely, absolutely. Northern Ireland is a fantastic test case um, for how AD can be ramped up in a short space of time. So they went from a handful of AD plants, similar to ourselves, to, to over to about 90 in operation, you know, really within the space of four years, all brought about by, by a generous support scheme and a good finance package. And the good thing about it uh, is that the vast majority of those AD plants are owned and operated by farmers albeit they are on a little bit of a smaller scale than, than what's going to be developed here in uh, in Ireland. But but still, it, um, as you say, it, it's a fantastic test case to see how it works, um, how the industry scales up, what are the problems, you know, what were the stumbling blocks, so that we can really get this thing right from day one. Thank you very much indeed, Minister Stephen Robb, Renewables Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you very much indeed. We were talking about your article in the Saturday, 3rd of December, 2022, a copy of the journal under the title of An Aerobic Digestion Industry Calls for Government Support. Thank you, Stephen, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Pleasure. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk Programme, Mr. Conor Garrity, Chair of Veterinary Ireland Medicines Working Group. First of all, Conor, welcome to the programme. Now, at the 2022 
AGM of your organisation, there was one topic very much to the fore, and it's something that farmers, our listeners, can contribute to solving or even preventing it happen in their herds and help human health as well as animal health. You might just remind us what uh, the main topic was and what we can do to combat or ideally prevent this um, AMR business. Um, thank you. So, yeah, AMR stands for antimicrobial resistance, and uh, that can be kind of broken down into antibiotic resistance and also antilimitic resistance. But primarily the human health concern is antibiotic resistance. Now, if you use antibiotics, as Alexander um, Fleming stated when he received his Nobel Prize on the discovery of penicillin, uh, immediately when you use it, some of the microbes are are going to become uh, immune to it or resistant to it. And as as that population grows in, the drug eventually will become ineffective. Um, so we don't have a huge uh, number of new products coming on stream. Uh, the last antibiotic was, was probably launched probably 20 years ago. So we have to prudently use the ones we have so that they're useful both in animal medicine but also in human medicine um, so that we have antibiotics available to us to treat and, um, infections that would otherwise kill people. If we had to give a simple message, a fairly clear, perhaps not simple, but if we had to give a clear, concrete message to farmers, how can they combat and ideally prevent AMR? I think of, you know, overdosing and uh, the role of selective dry cow therapy, milk recording. So just steps our farming listeners can take, if they're not doing so already, to prevent AMR arising. Well, I think antibiotics should be treated uh, as a precious resource, so... We use as much as necessary, but as little as possible. And I think that's the message. And so if you take selective dry cow therapy, it has been for many, many uh, decades um, advised that farmers use blanket dry cow therapy to reduce cell count. And in fairness, it, it is a highly effective method of reducing cell count. But to use them prudently, we're, we're now advocating that you just use antibiotics on animals that have an infection. So through your milk recording, you can identify cows that have an infection in a ramary event and treat those with antibiotics that dry enough and the ones that don't, then don't use them. So you're using less of the product and therefore less resistance is building up in the environment. And at the Veterinary Ireland uh, 2022 AGM, figures were given, pretty horrific figures were given about the worldwide fatalities due to AMR, people being unable to get proper treatment and uh, medicines, human medicines, not actually working. Yeah, so we're kind of accustomed to this in this country as well. I mean, people would be familiar with MRSA or superbugs in hospitals. And they're essentially bugs that can't, that don't respond to the available treatments. Now, we would have been told over the last number of years that it was predicted by the WHO that deaths from AMR would surpass deaths from cancer in the human world by 2050. But what was announced the last day, and I can't remember the exact figures, but more people died from AMR over the last two years than died from COVID, which would bring it home to people uh, how important it is. And that's worldwide now. The European Union did set out changes to the way medicines would be supplied to farmers, but it would appear just very recently the Attorney General, quote, torpedoed veterinary medicine changes, and they were controversial, and a lot of farmers felt they were 
far too restrictive. Well, I suppose the European Union introduced Regulation 2019-6, and it was enacted here in, in, in last February. And there's a little bit of confusion here between anthelmintics, which are treatments for um, our parasitic infections, and antibiotics. So the antibiotics, one, is enforced and is in play at the moment. And the main thrust of that is that from now on, or from last February on, antibiotics can't be used prophylactically. In other words, you can't give antibiotics to a group of animals in case they might get sick. So blanket dry cow therapy will be an example. Metaphylaxis then, which is if you have a number of animals sick in a group and um, you might treat the rest of them to prevent it spreading, um, that can only be done under very strict circumstances. And the other change then is the order in which we can choose antibiotics to use. So, for example, um, antibiotics are categorized into A, B, C, and D, um, A being the most critically important for humans, so they're no longer available to, to the veterinary world. Um, uh, Bs then can only be used as second-line treatments after culture and sensitivity indicates they're the ones that uh, are needed. Cs then are to be prescribed prudently and only in second-line treatment, and then we're left with category Ds or the oldest antibiotics for first-line treatment. So that would be a change. Now, the antiparasitic um, issue is slightly different in that um, up to now, they were sold under derogation in Ireland without a prescription. And that has been changed. And um, what the Attorney General uh, torpedoed, to quote yourself, is that there was a legal opinion uh, brought that uh, non-vets could prescribe those. And um, that's what he uh, rejected. I think it would be probably a a better term. Um, So that part of the legislation has to be enacted by Ireland and that's been held up at, at committee level at the moment. What we're saying is the proposals that merchant staff deemed to be, quote, responsible persons might be allowed to prescribe certain veterinary medicines, such as doses and wormers, were not supported by this um, Attorney General opinion. That's the, the feedback to the yeah, agri-media. So um, the, the merchants and, and uh, responsible persons can still dispense them. But they have the farmer must get a prescription from a vet first. The vets, of course, would fully justify this. But again, there would be some farmers or farm organisations would feel this is unfair restrictions, and there would be a time limit on those prescriptions issued by the vet. The vets and farmers working together, two or three or four in the morning, if there's a calving problem, you phone up the vet, and the vet will probably turn up on your doorstep uh, very shortly afterwards. In general, do you feel that we can function and animal health will benefit, and always in the background, everything we're doing is working towards the elimination of this dreadful AMR? Yeah, I think, look, I, I suppose we probably need a, a mindset change in how we use some of these products. And I think we have a long history as, as vets and farmers are working together. And I'm sure, um, you know, as we do, it will, um, it will all pan out to the benefit of agriculture and the agri-food industry. So um, I'd be confident enough that it will settle down once the controversy is over and um, uh, people get used to the new regime. And to sum up, uh, speaking to Mr. Conor Garrity, Chair of Veterinary Ireland, Medicines Working Group, and just looking at the press release issued from the 2022 conference, we referred in passing to the dreadful figure of uh, AMR-associated deaths globally. They were estimated to be, according to your press release, to be in the region of just under 5 million people, 4.95 million people. 
This is in comparison to the WHO's global estimate of 4.8 million COVID-19 associated deaths in 2020, as you referred to earlier, comparing the vast uh, pandemic, which got great publicity and attention, uh, COVID-19, but to find that just slightly, slightly more people lost their lives through not being able to be cured because of the presence of AMR, antimicrobial resistance. So that should bring home to us the terrible risks unless we stop overdosing. Yes, so I mean, this is, um, it, 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 it was described as a silent pandemic, you know, and I think we probably have, we probably don't realise how many people die from hospital infections because it's probably not published that well. Um, but certainly, um, it's important for us all for you know the ability to be to go in and have a hip replaced, etc. That we have antibiotics that work, and that we can treat these infections that we've been used to treating. Speaking to Mr. Conor Garrity, Chair of Veterinary Ireland Medicines Working Group, I understand that a new president for Veterinary Ireland has been announced. Yes, so we we elect a new president each year. So Paul McDermott from Mayo. You may remember him from the original Vets on Call program back in the day. Um, has just been um, elected president of Veterinary Ireland for 2023. And, of course, the outgoing Veterinary Ireland president, Dr. Joe Collins. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Conor Garrity, Chair, Veterinary Ireland Medicines Working Group, for that reminder about AMR and by milk recording and applying properly selective dry cow therapy, people can do their part in ensuring AMR is stopped in its tracks or never allowed to develop. Thanks a million. Thank you. You're very welcome. We are joined on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme by Mr Pat Murphy, IFA SAC Project Team Chairman. First of all, Pat, welcome to the programme. Now, could you please outline to our listeners briefly what SACs are, NHAs are, and what would your priorities be in looking after the 35,000 farmers impacted by these designations and often it puts, uh, it puts severe constraints on their enterprise, on their livelihood. SACs simply are special areas of conservation. The NHAs are national heritage areas. All these are a designation on farmers' land, which basically impacts them from being able to farm their land. And in many cases, they have no choice but to look for permission in order to carry out uh, work such as receiving them but works that we find on normal land as everyday decisions. Sometimes farmers have to make decisions, uh, ask permission to do that. The knock-on effect in all, in all of these is that you cannot take or cannot produce from the land what you normally produce. Um, so therefore, this designation means that you have to put back the production on your land and in some cases cut out production. So that's why we've always looked for, and our motto is that with the designation on land, that land has to be compensated for. Far too often in the past, there has been plans put in place where designations have been on land, maybe five years that the scheme has, has lasted, and then the money has stopped, but the designation has stayed there. We cannot see that continuing for farmers, and that's why we put this, place, this project in place in order to make sure that every farmer and every designated area has a voice and that we can as it was, link those people into the National Parks and Wildlife. We'll do the work for them. That's the reason for it, and that's how people are affected. The actual financial reward, what kind of reward would the farmers get if they find 
they're forced to put their land into either of these categories, the SSEs, Special Areas of Protection, or NHA's Natural Heritage Areas, covering 13.6% of the land, I understand, going on your press release of Wednesday, November 30th. But what kind of compensation do people get? Sometimes there's no compensation. That's why we're setting up this to make sure that those farmers don't fall through the cracks. In some cases, there's a, a farm home in place through the National Park in my life, and that helps farmers. Uh, as many farmers say, well, it's better than the reps that we were getting on it. So those farmers are happy. We want to make sure that those payments continue where the designation happens. Now, the bigger picture in all of this, yes, there's about 13.5% of our land is designated. The current minister has a plan to go to 30% of, of land to designate. Now, we want to find out from him is that 30% on average of land and our areas off the coast, which is also, we'll say, FSD land, and how is he going to implement it and how is he going to compensate farmers. There's a bigger picture in all of this and, and there's a big change coming down the road um, with regard to this nation. Thank you, Pat, very much indeed. Mr. Pat Murphy there, IFA SAC Project Team Chairman. On priorities for the SAC project team, Mr. Papafi said the project team will seek an appropriate compensation scheme to be put in place to ensure farmers impacted by designations are properly compensated for the farming restrictions placed on them and to account for loss of earnings and devaluation of land. And the IFASAC project team leader, Mr Pat Murphy, said that it's expected that 350 farm plans will be up and running by the end of the year. However, greater funding is needed to expand the number in the scheme with increased payment rates to reflect the additional costs and burden on farmers whose land is designated. He said the IFA would insist that an enhanced farm plan scheme would be funded through the National Exchequer, and that all farmers with designations who apply for the scheme must be catered for. Just part of a long statement there from the IFA SAC project team leader and chairman, Mr Pat Murphy. He said other priorities for the SAC project team would be the project team will seek an appropriate compensation scheme to be put in place to ensure farmers impacted by these designations would be properly compensated for the farming restrictions placed on them and to account for loss of earnings and devaluation of their land. The project team consists of representatives from Special Areas of Conservation, SICs, Special Protection Areas, SPAs, and Natural Heritage Areas, NHAs, with new members appointed by the IFA National Officer Committee. And that's Farm Talk for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to Barry O'Mahony and Murray Tuig, as usual, for contributing to the Farm Programme. And a big thank you to Miss Lauren Woods for the Carberry Mokra fortnightly report. To you, the listener, thanks for tuning in. Till our next programme, I'm John O'Connor. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.